0: everyone. This is Alan Schummel for DevOps.com, and you're listening to another DevOps chat. Today's DevOps chat was recorded in Boulder, Colorado. Happy to be back in Boulder, visiting some friends here in the uh, unbelievable Boulder tech community. And I'm joined by, by two of them right now. I have Ryan Severins and Scott Gerlach. Ryan, Scott, welcome. Thanks Thank for you. Having us. All right. Well, one of you have to go first. I'm going to let Ryan we're go, go first, first. Scott, if sure. it's okay. Ryan, introduce yourself to our audience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I am a co-founder and COO of Stackhawk. Uh, we are we are fairly new to the scene. We we uh, started the company back in July, um, and yeah, we're we're excited to be here. Very cool. And you're CEO. Yes. And, and I should mention,
0: I know Ryan from. VictorOps and then JumpCloud yeah. and just here in the boulder scene. Yeah. So it's good to good to see old friends. And Scott, why don't you give us a little background?
2: Yeah, thanks for having us. Uh, my name's Scott Gerlock. I'm the co-founder and chief security officer. We're missing our other favorite co-founder, Joni Clippert, who ran product at VictorOps as well. Um, but I've I've worked in the security industry for 15, 17 something years. Hard to count. Mm-hmm. Um, at GoDaddy and SendGrid and uh, was approached by these two saying, hey, we should start a company to
0: solve this problem that we're working on, and and it sounded really interesting to me, so here we are. Cool, and and I should mention that though I, I'm, I'm in the boulder scene since about 17 years, 2002, uh, we have never. I, I think I've heard your name, and obviously I knew SendGrid very well. And sure, go, Daddy. But Scott's a new friend from Boulder, so welcome and, and thanks for being here. So Scott, you you, you nailed it, though. You, you know there was a problem here that that Joni and Ryan came to you with, and and it was kind of an aha moment for you. What what was the problem? What was the aha moment?
2: Yeah, I think so. Joni Joni approached me. Um, and Ryan, jump in here if you if yeah, you want to take the role of Joni. <laughs> she approached me and said, "Hey, I want to talk about application security." And application security is one of my favorite things to hate because it's super hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to find people that can do the job well. It's really hard to get have tools that provide value. They're really expensive. So I, I sort of unloaded in in this coffee meeting that we had and. Was pretty brutally honest, and I was like, "Well, okay, cool. I'll never hear from her again. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that'll be that was Shed great
0: coffee."
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but then she actually called me back a couple months later and said, "Hey, I think I think you we could make a great team in solving this problem." And uh, Ryan, if you want to kind of
1: frame up the the pen test and the, all that good yeah. stuff problem, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So. Joni and I work together at at Victorops, and it's a DevOps product doing um, incident management software. But but really, seeing in the DevOps space how um, you know how software delivery is changing and software operations is changing. And as we were there, we we in our sales process had to go through the pen test process of. Um, you know, we, we'd get pen tests and we'd get the PDF that we would deliver in sales meetings and would give customers our potential customers this confidence that uh, we are, we're a secure company, secure application to use. And it was just always a frustrating thing. You, you drop so much money on these pen tests and they are an intellectually dishonest exercise. You, you, you get a PDF. And it says this. This is here's the list of vulnerabilities. And two minutes later, somebody's committing new code, and, and it's shipped into production. And you and now the, the application has changed. Um, so so Joni, Joni had this idea to to just think how did, how could this be reimagined where we we have something that keeps up with constantly delivered software. Something where you're not getting a PDF and then six months later a new PDF with sometimes hundreds, thousands of vulnerabilities that you're going through and trying to reconcile. Have a, What did we decide last time on this? Did we... Have we just not gotten to fixing it, or did we intentionally not fix it because it's not actually a security bug? Um, and so she started talking about this idea. She approached me, approached Scott, and uh, as as we talk to folks in the market, there's, there's a big appetite to reimagine this and do it differently. Absolutely. You know, to me, and, and Scott, you,
0: you'll probably uh, identify with this, the whole reason I got into DevOps, right? I met Gene Kim seven, eight years ago. He was I saw a manuscript of Phoenix Project. The whole reason I got into DevOps is for me, it made so much sense from a security point of view. Because as we sit here now in 2019 in a post DevOps, you know, transformation sort of environment you know, for many organizations, the idea that we're gonna wait until we deploy some application mm-hmm. to first go do a pen test from the outside in to you know, to get that hacker's eye view or whatever you want to call it, and and see whether it, you know where the vulnerabilities are, and, and then let's go fix them in live time while this thing is out there. Mm-hmm. If, if that wasn't backwards to begin with, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, the whole premise of it is yeah, just you know, it's like putting a, sh- a thing on your shirt that says "hit me." Um, it, it's just ridiculous. Why why weren't we? Testing these things before deployment. I remember seeing a, a survey You know that everyone was all hopped up about in the DevOps world about three years ago Maybe four years ago, and it said 75% of organizations are now test security testing their code prior to deployment Wow, and I'm thinking to myself who? Who, who the fuck are the other 25%? Yeah. <laughs> right? Because there, there's something really wrong with those people. Who would not do that? So, you know, we sit here talking about it today like an aha moment when, to some people, like, what took you so long, right? Why aren't people, I mean, Scott, you were GoDaddy, yeah. big company with a lot on the line. Why why wasn't this the way things this just seems to me like this is the way things should have been from the get go.
2: Yeah, I think the the large problem there is the siloing, the the self siloing that security teams often do, and and I know there's a lot of good security teams out there that are the anti pattern of this. They're doing mm-hmm. a really good job of integrating with engineering teams, but it's it's really like a, a different mindset, and that creates that security silo, and so. The, the interop with engineering teams really is strained and frustrated in, in, uh, we're going to break all your stuff and then you have to fix all of the stuff. Like that's not how any of that works. Right. right. Uh, it's, it should be more of a partnership and I'm totally guilty of this. Right. Uh, during my career, I've, I've totally been in that role where I was like, Oh, well, you got to fix all the things we find and we're going to find everything. Right. right? No, uh, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, we tried We tried at GoDaddy to make a product that was dynamic security testing for GoDaddy customers. Totally the wrong market. Those are small business owners that are pouring coffee or building bicycles or whatever. They don't want to know anything. They're just, when we said, hey, you got a problem, they said, cool, how fast can you fix it for mm-hmm. me so I can keep building bikes and making coffee? Wrong audience. Uh, at SendGrid, we tried something a little bit different. And it was still kind of post deploy. And that was where a lot of the feedback was like, tell me about this stuff earlier. But we had this migration to AWS problem. How are we gonna not be the pivot man, the pivot person in our deployment to AWS in so far as someone has to approve AWS roles and firewall rules and all this stuff. We just didn't have the manpower. It was gonna make us slow. So we figured out, you know, we can give these engineering teams the ability to admin their own aws stuff we're going to continuously audit it and tell them when there's a problem so that they can fix it they were deploying via terraform so that they could you know infrastructure as code fix those problems as as we found them we also took the, the step of automatically fixing them or destroying those things that were too risky and didn't get fixed but they they you'd have to ask them Right. I felt like they they sort of embraced that because they got something back for it. Yeah. Right. Um, and so the the big feedback there was tell us earlier like give us a, a Terraform Linter right that says this this policy
0: is is too too lax. I, I agree. I agree. Now, let I don't want to paint a false picture either. Scott, you said you were in AppSec right, and you've been in AppSec for years, right? Not all. AppSec was kind of post deployment AppSec, right? That's there right. were, there were um, AppSec tools that were testing stuff as part of your software delivery pipeline, right? So yep. software development lifecycle, and as you mentioned, some of them were pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. There were open source tools too, quite frankly, yeah. right? But certainly that you know when we think about you know, finding bugs, vulnerabilities, whatever you want to call it, we didn't, we just didn't think in that pre-deployment paradigm enough, or even, I mean, even just scanning them at the time of deployment was was seen as, hey, that's pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. Right?
2: That's, a, that's a miracle. Hey, right. tell me when you're about to deploy this right. thing so but I can check then I'll, it. I'll and do it, <laughs> and then say no. Yeah. Right? and then I'll say no, no right? Right? and then you'll hate it and, still. Right, and you'll hate <laughs> it
0: more. But, um, so, you know, so that, Right, that's the promise of, of this whole shift left thing. Yeah. yeah, right. So what are you guys at StackHawk doing about it?
1: Well, I think, you know, Scott talked about the scale problem where you have these small security teams with huge development organizations, and a lot of the tools that are out there are great, but they're you, you can't just spin them up and, and use them out of the box simply, or they're, they're very expensive, and the... They're often not built for developers. They're That's for the security issue, teams.
0: right? It, because there's money, there's budget yep. Right? Yep. to buy these tools. The real issue, I think, is that a lot of these security tools were made for security people. Yeah. And security people don't scale in most of these organizations. I, you know, Scott, I don't know what your life was like at GoDaddy or even SendGrid, but in our research. You know, it's not unusual to have one security person be the security guy for multiple development teams. Like there's probably 20, 25 developers or more. Yeah, to a security person. That's right.
2: We we were I think at SenGrid we we had about a 15 to 1 ratio engineer to security person. Yeah, and that's normal.
0: Yeah. And it it's, it just doesn't scale, right? It does. not Especially if the tools are you going to use are only made for that one person. That's right. Now we start making tools for the 15, mm-hmm. right? And so they can develop quality code. And I think that right there is the prim- is the promise. Of, yeah, of, so, of so that's totally
2: the approach we're trying to take is all of those legacy security tools speak to a security person. Like if you look at all of the marketing and the output that they have, it's all security speak. And we've done a really good job as a security industry of inventing stuff That we understand and then hoping everyone will just learn it because they're super interested i had this conversation with somebody the other day where i was like the accounting team doesn't expect the rest of the business to know how the general ledger works they give us tools and information to make business decisions and we as a security industry have kind of struggled at doing that Mm -hmm. uh, that often and so what we're trying to do is really build a tool that goes in the developer tool belt speaks developer language is easy to use like the rest of the dev tools, doesn't really get in their way and allows them to produce quality code
0: fast and get it out the door. So I, I realize this is a new company. Is is the product publicly available? I don't think so. Don't we
1: we are on a waitlist sign up. We so the product is currently in alpha. So there there is a product. Folks can sign up for it. We we are slow rolling people onto it. Um, but we, we would love folks to, to sign up and um, take a look. And
0: we'll get the URL yeah. and the notes and everything. But I, I, I just, because my, my next question was, where in the process is, is, is StackHawk playing? Is it when, when, they, when a developer commits code into the repo? Hmm. We, so or we really see it as a
2: multifaceted thing where you're writing some code on a laptop and you can check it there. As you're writing it. As you right, writing before like, committing. Spin that app up, check it, see if there's any bugs, fix them there, because that's cheap. Uh, and then do the same thing in the CI C D pipeline. Commit some code, make sure that you know you don't integrate Nginx and that breaks something or introduces a new vulnerability or whatever. And then the same thing on the production side. Like we'll have a hosted production scanner just to double check that nobody accidentally misconfigures a production server while they're troubleshooting something, whatever, right? Uh, but in that phase, you can see how um, software bugs either appear or disappear throughout the, the development life process. Cycle. Yeah, development lifecycle. And, you know, get a better better idea of what that looks like in, in the organization. And I think it's a really powerful... Like, we right now we have that, hey, here's the PDF of our pen test. right? And that's the story that we're telling our... Enterprises are telling their customers, here's our PDF, and they check the box, and they're like, yay. I think a powerful story is, man, we've really integrated this uh, quality and security stuff into the development lifecycle along the whole thing, and that's a powerful story to tell potential customers as a
0: business. Yeah. I think we'd be remiss, though, if we didn't also mention, though, that there are some vulnerabilities, some bugs that happen... You know the zero day stuff that you didn't know was there when it was there, mm-hmm. or uh, you know you have an open source component in your app, and and it's been found out that that component had a vulnerability, and there's nothing you could do about those things because well you could fix them, but, <laughs> you know but I mean. Your app's deployed already and, and now, oh my God, I just found out that this component we were using mm-hmm. is is vulnerable, I gotta update that. Anything in the plans for those situations? Yeah, I think there's, so that's kind of along the
2: lines of the static code analysis tools that are out there that are doing versioning right. things and yeah. telling you and and uh, there's a PR bot that will automatically make PRs for you if it finds those kinds of things. Yeah. And, and those are really good. I think the trouble there is there's a lot of noise. Like I'm using this package, but I don't know if I'm using it in the actual way that the vulnerability presents itself. So hopefully uh, the tool that we're producing will help catch those really egregious errors. Don't shoot yourself in the foot type things. Uh, and then I, I envision the products sometime down the road, uh, being able to go, hey, we've saw, we saw a vulnerability in the running code, and it's related to this outdated vulnerability. So the only fix is Update, update this that, update, update that, this that library.
0: component, right? Yes. Um, so you mentioned static code, and of course, when, when we talk about web app scanning, you have static code analysis, dynamic code analysis, et cetera. Um, stuff, you know, companies like Checkmarks and White Hat and that sort of... Do you consider what you guys are doing complementary to them, competitive to them, little of both?
1: I would say, so we... You know, if you if you had to classify us, we'd fall in dynamic code analysis, and okay. um, the I think there's there's aspects of our product that would absolutely be competitive with other other dynamic code analysis tools out there, um, and you know, really, I would say our sweet spot is is with developers, and there's um, you know, I think a lot of companies use multiple security tools. Um, but certainly in the dynamic space, we we will be competitive with some of those that are out there.
0: Got it. As long as we're on the topic, because we're, we're coming up on time soon, just a quick background on the company. So I, I think you guys announced, was it a seed round, basically? Yeah. Uh, Foundry Group was one of the investors. Uh, Todd Vernon, who uh, Todd was the... Uh, Founder of a uh, VictorOps as well as a bunch of other, I know Todd a long time yeah. too. I forget all the companies <laughs> he's been with, but
1: um, investor. Any? Am I missing any other? Yeah. So we, we had um, we had participation from Costa Noa um, out in the Bay Area, Matchstick Ventures here in Boulder, and Flybridge Capital. Okay, uh, in Boston. Out in, out in Boston as well. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and the the
0: product is in alpha right now. There's a waiting list mm-hmm. to sign up for. What
1: What's the URL? It's stackhawk.com. Just do me a favor, spell it, because yeah. we have people from out of the country. Absolutely. So it's S-T-A-C-K-H-A-W-K.com.
0: Cool. When do you anticipate going, let's say, into some more of a public better?
1: Uh, I would say target is is sometime in the first half of the year. Call it end of Q1 is a, is a rough target right now.
0: Cool. So, Scott, does this get you juiced every morning to get up and work on this?
2: It does, actually. Uh, like, there's hard problems that we're running into, right? And, and the hardest problem is, can we convince developers that they, love, they want this tool and they want to use it? Um, it turns out they actually are jonesing for it a little bit, right? They want a thing that will help them do this. I think I heard you say, no one gets up in the morning and goes, I'm going to make buggy code. Right. non performant code, that's me, I'll do that. Um, we're just there's not tooling out there for
0: to easily consume that stuff so I I, I think as security people and I'm guilty and you are guilty too (laughs) we've we've underestimated you know with security it became very much an us versus them that's right we were you know we were we were the good guys standing up for truth justice in the American way and all these evil developers and ops people they didn't give a crap about the security stuff. They just wanted to get it out on time. And we were the ones, you know, holding back that evil things that can happen. They'll all wind up in jail and the company will be out of business. And we never really, you would ask security people, why don't you let developers get more involved in the security? And they said because developers don't give a crap no, about scrap. Yeah. Right? They don't <laughs> give a crap about security. But that's not true. And I think we're finding that out. And I think it's to everyone's benefit. To, to recognize that and give these people tools, tools to work with. Ryan, what, what's getting you juiced up about getting every morning and coming to StackHawk?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, one, one thing that I'm really passionate about is end user driven software. And, and I think a lot of software has shifted that way where it's being built for the end users, not for an enterprise sales process. And I see less of that in the security space. A lot of security tooling is still built for a very top-down sale, which just naturally the features that are developed serve the C-suite rather than serving the developers who might have to implement the tool. And so building a tool that is built for the end user, built for the the man or woman who's who's writing code on their laptop and, and is like right there at the threshold of, Am I deploying secure code? Am I deploying quality code? Building a tool for them gets me really jazzed.
0: Cool. Guys, we're out of time. I want to uh, thank you both for doing this, uh, an in-person yeah, thank podcast you. for us today. It worked great. out well. Um, continued luck with, with uh, StackHawk. We'll keep an eye on things. Awesome. All right? right, Appreciate it, Alan. All right. Hey, this is Alan Schimmel, DevOps.com, Security Boulevard, MediaOps. You just listened to another DevOps chat. We'll see you soon.